We're in this series, A Work in Progress, and the truth is, you and I, we're all a work in progress, and the good news there is that God isn't done with us. What he began in us, he is going to continue until someday he has completed the work of God within us. The good news is it's not just a random outcome, but God has a purpose for all the little details that are going on in our lives, and he will use all of those things to refine us. Scripture that we began this series with is Philippians 1.6, where it reminds us that we can be confident in this, that he who began a good work in you is faithful to complete it. We've been asking ourselves this question. What does a life of faith look like? Trusting in God through the process that we go through in life. Inviting him into our lives to work within us. It all begins with faith. Trusting in God. And since the beginning of time, God has been pursuing mankind. He's been pursuing you and I specifically that we would have a greater faith, that we would trust him at a greater level to eventually where we completely trust God with all of our lives. We've all probably known some people who we would say are just people of incredible faith. No matter what happens in their life, they can trust God in an unbelievable level. If we were to hear those people's stories, we would hear some common themes. And throughout this series, we're going to look at those themes. Last week, we talked about practical teaching. How at some point in our lives, somebody explains the gospel to us, not just as a theory, but says, here's how you live this out. Here's how you pray. Here's how you find and follow Jesus. And today, we want to look at pivotal circumstances. Now, this is almost too obvious of a topic to throw in here because a pivotal circumstance is happening worldwide right now to the entire being of humanity. But we are living in the middle of a pivotal circumstance. And through that, we can either let God work within us and let God change us and use this circumstance that we're living in to cause us to be more like Christ or we can become bitter and angry and let our faith dwindle instead of letting our faith rise up. When we talk about pivotal circumstances, there's some within our lives that are really good circumstances. The birth of a child could be a circumstance that completely changes your life or causes your faith to increase, causes you to think less of yourself and depend on God more. Maybe you've been on a mission trip. There was a circumstance that completely transformed your relationship with God. Maybe like me, it was the day you met your wife, that wonderful woman, right? There was a pivotal circumstance in your life that God has used to draw you closer to him and increase your faith. Those are good circumstances. But the majority of time, the circumstances that will increase your faith and increase my faith are difficult circumstances. As you hear people talk about the stories in their life that have transformed their faith, 
You might hear them say a common phrase like this. I wouldn't wish that on my worst enemy. I would never want someone to go through what I went through in that situation. But I wouldn't trade it for the world because of what God has done in my life. I've got a series of those in my own life. I would never want you to experience, but I can look back and see how brightly God was shining in my life in those moments, in those circumstances where God used them to pivot my life and increase my faith. God will display His power and make His presence known in those times of darkness, in those times of grief, in those times of desperation. The great author C.S. Lewis writes in his book, The Problem of Pain, he says this, God whispers to us in our pleasures. He speaks to us in our conscience, but he shouts in our pains. It's his megaphone to rouse a deaf world. Lewis really skips past the why of it all. Why do I face these hard things? And he gets right to the what now. In spite of the pain, in spite of the difficult circumstances, in spite of COVID-19, if we are listening, we can hear God speaking through his megaphone and he can increase our faith in such a way that can change our lives forever. C.S. Lewis's quote is reminiscent of What James, the brother of Jesus, writes in James chapter 1, verses 2 through 4, he says this, Dear brothers and sisters, when troubles of any kind come your way, consider it an opportunity for great joy. Sounds like a really bad sales pitch, right? When troubles come your way of any kind, consider it a great opportunity to have joy. He goes on to say, For you know that when your faith is tested, your endurance has a chance to grow. So let it grow. For when your endurance is fully developed, you will be perfect and complete, needing nothing. You see, the trials that we face bring us a test of our faith that produce perseverance in us if we will let it that brings us to stronger faith. We are a work in progress and God is calling out to you and to me saying, I want you to have faith in me. Part of us having faith in him is considering the trials that we face, even COVID-19, an opportunity for great joy. This testing, this word testing is the best parallel I can give it to the Greek word is working out, building up. And you're probably looking at the screen thinking, man, Adam, you've been working out a lot during this quarantine. It's obvious, I know, but that's like that. The word testing is working out, building those muscles, building those strengths. God is testing us, increasing our faith. Now, I do want to pause there because I'm not saying God has poured out COVID-19 on the world to test us. I'm not saying that God hurts you for your own good. 
That would be the definition of abuse. I love you, so I'm going to hurt you so that you can become better. But I am saying this, that God will use our darkest moments and God will use the most trying times within our lives. He will take that pain and he will use it to increase our faith and make us stronger. The gospel has an account of a very pivotal circumstance. It's in John chapter 11. It's the story of Lazarus. His death and, spoiler alert, his resurrection. You may know the story. Lazarus is the brother of Mary and Martha. And these siblings are great friends of Jesus. They live in Bethany, which is a suburb of Jerusalem. And when Jesus would go to Jerusalem, he would often stay with Mary and Martha and Lazarus. It's like his extended family. He would, he would stay with them. He would visit them. We see in John chapter 11, verse 1, that Lazarus gets sick. Not just a cold. He gets deathly sick, and it's not looking good. And in those moments, just like any of us, they get desperate. They say, oh no, this is not good. But... They've got, you know how it's good when you've got friends in high places, right? Friends who can do stuff for you. They're best friends with Jesus. Jesus who has built a reputation for going around and healing people. The guest room in their house could have been called the Jesus room. That's where he stays when he comes over. And now Lazarus is sick. In verse 3, it says, So the sisters sent word to Jesus, Lord, the one you love is sick. So they are calling in their favor right now for Jesus. And you would think being that close to Jesus has some perks to it, right? Knowing Jesus that well, you should be able to pick up your phone and text him and say, Jesus, come quick. Lazarus is sick. So that's what they did in their first century way. They send word to Jesus. In verse 4, when he heard this, Jesus said, the sickness will not end in death. No, it is for God's glory, so God's Son may be glorified through it. Now Jesus loved Martha and her sister and Lazarus. There's only few people, even though Jesus loves us all, there's only a few people listed in the Bible where it says Jesus loves them. And Jesus was obviously very close to them, but Jesus' response is, don't worry about it. It's not going to end in death. This is so I, Jesus, the Son of God, can be glorified. And it says in verse 6, this is a hard verse, honestly. So when he heard that Lazarus was sick, He stayed where he was for two more days. That's tough, right? You hear your best friend is deathly sick. I'm just going to stay here for a couple more days. I mean, could he not be bothered? Was he in a really important Zoom meeting? I mean, what what was going on that Jesus just decided, I'm going to stay here for two more days? Though they didn't know it, it was an opportunity for a pivotal circumstance. Because even though Jesus said it wouldn't end in death, Lazarus dies. 
And they can't see the rest of the story yet. But it's heartbreaking at this point. Their brother, their loved one, has died. Jesus didn't bother showing up. We're going to skip down to verse 20. This was probably a tense dinner that night, dinner scene. When Martha heard that Jesus was coming, she went out to meet him, but Mary stayed home. I'm assuming Mary is probably upset thinking, I can't even go out there and look at him right now. If you know the story of Mary and Martha, Mary's the more passive one. Martha's the more aggressive one. Martha goes out to meet Jesus. And I would think she's probably got a little one of these going on. And she's probably got her arms crossed and her feet tapping. Watch what she says in verse 21. Lord, Martha said to Jesus, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. My guess is she was pretty upset at the moment. But she does go on to say this in verse 22. But I know that even now God will give you whatever you ask. And she says, Jesus responds in verse 23. Jesus said to her, your brother will rise again. Martha answers, I know he will rise again in the resurrection at the last Day, Jesus said to her, I am the resurrection and the life. Anyone who believes in me will live even though they die. And whoever lives by believing in me will never die. Do you believe this? So here's Martha and she's upset. And it's like Jesus is giving her one of those lines that's supposed to comfort her at the death of a loved one, but it doesn't really comfort her. He's going to live again. He's going to be in heaven. And you'll get to see him there is how Martha takes it. Martha is doing the best that she can. She says, yes, Lord. She told him, I believe that you are the Messiah. Even in the midst of this pain, she still had faith. I believe that you are the Messiah, the Son of God, who has come into the world. And then Jesus asks to be taken to the grave. But when he gets to the grave, he doesn't just raise Lazarus. The first thing that he does, says in verse 35, Jesus wept. Then the Jews said, see how he loved him? But some of them said, could, could, not, could not he open the eyes of a blind man? And yet he still let this man die? Some said, man, he really loved this guy. And others said, yeah, but he can perform miracles and he let his own friend die. There's a lot of conflict here. There's love and death and compassion and pain. In the midst of all of it, don't overlook the fact that Jesus takes time to sit with them in their pain. That he grieves with them. That he hurts with them. He doesn't run, rush past it. He sits with them in the midst of this pivotal circumstance. And whatever pivotal circumstance you may be facing, even beyond COVID-19 right now, don't overlook the fact that Jesus sits with you and grieves with you and weeps with you and is frustrated with you that the brokenness of mankind has left us in this situation. Jesus was with them. 
those who doubted and those who believed. He's with them all in this moment. But there's more going on here than they can understand. Let's take a look at verse 41. Upon Jesus' request, they rolled the stone away. And then Jesus looked up and said, Father, I thank you that you have heard me. I knew that you always hear me. But I said this for the benefit of the people standing here, that they may believe that you sent me. When he had said this, Jesus called in a loud voice, Lazarus, come out. The dead man came out, his hands and feet wrapped with strips of linen and cloth around his face. And Jesus said to them, take off the grave clothes and let him go. Therefore, many of the Jews who had come to visit Mary and had seen what Jesus did, believed in him. God will use the pivotal circumstances of our lives so that, as Jesus prayed, that you might believe. God didn't cause the darkness and the pain, but God will use the darkness and the pain so that you might believe. But not just that you might believe, as we see in this story right here, many believed because they saw this pivotal circumstance. You know people in your life that have a great faith. It's because they've gone through pivotal circumstances and they have held tight to Jesus and their faith has made your faith stronger. Well, I want to encourage you, that's not just limited to them. God wants to use your story. God wants to use your trials and your pain and your grief. He wants to use everything that we face, even this moment we face right now, so that your faith may increase and that the faith of those all around you may increase. God will use our story to reach the lives of others. If it feels at times like God is doing something to you, I want to encourage you to look at it from a different perspective because we lose faith when we think God is doing something to us. But our faith grows and gets bigger when we realize God is doing something in us. You see, COVID-19 is not something God is doing to us. But in the midst of COVID-19, God is doing something within us, within your heart, within your family, within our church, within our city, within the world. God is doing something within us. So I want to encourage you to do this in closing. Would you ask God this week to show you his presence When we can spot in our lives where God is working, our faith begins to grow. And I know you, just like me, just like all of us, we're tired of this. And this is exhausting. But would you just take a moment this week, say, God, I want to see where you're working in my life. I want to see where you're working in my family and in our community And as you begin to look for where God is working, your faith can grow 
And this can become a pivotal season in your life. We don't have to look back at it. It's one of the darkest times in our life or our nation. We can look back at these last few months and say, look at what God did. The pain gives us an opportunity to seek God, to see where He is at work, to see where we have changed as we encounter Him in difficult times. You know, when I encounter difficult times in my life now. I can't say that I ever like them. None of us do. It doesn't make the pain any less. But like James talks about, when we encounter difficult times, pivotal circumstances, consider them an opportunity for great joy. I'm not saying when bad things happen, you should say, yippee, I love it. But anytime something challenging comes, we can begin to have faith and say, God, I can have great joy because I know you're going to do something within me. Would you pray with me today? Father, would you show us what it looks like to trust in you? In the middle of this circumstance that we're in right now, Father, in the middle of all the circumstances that we face in our lives, God, would you make them pivotal circumstances that grow our faith Lord, that you would use them, as it says in John 3.30, to cause us to decrease and for you to increase in our lives. Father, I pray for my friends listening today that you would show every single one of us where you've been moving in our lives, in our families, in our community over these last two months. And Father, may we put all the frustration aside, and may we grab onto you for the joy of the Lord, for all that you have done and all that you are preparing to do as we prepare to gather together, as you continue to heal our land. Father, we continue to rejoice and seek you for great joy in the midst of trials. Father, I pray for my friends today, whether they're regulars here at Rock Hills or just people from here in our neighborhood that are tuning into this message that just say they need your help today. God, would you be their help and would you be their comfort? Father, for my friends who are at their wits end and don't feel like they can take it anymore, Holy Spirit, would you encourage and strengthen them? Would you work out those faith muscles within them this week? And Father, for those listening today, who need to come to that place where they can trust in you for the first time, let's all just pray together. God, you have used every circumstance in my life to bring me to this point. And I thank you that you sent Jesus. And I know today that I want him to be my savior. I thank you that he died for me and shed his blood so that I could be forgiven and free. The good news of the gospel is that Jesus traded his life for mine, though I didn't deserve it. So, Father, today I receive that good news. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you so much for joining us today, friends. Remember, if you would like to be a volunteer, if you're ready to start meeting together with us again, please contact me this week, adam at rockhills.com. We're going to have a volunteer trial preparation and training service here next Sunday. And then in two weeks, 
we will begin our in-person services as well as continuing our live stream for those of you who would like to watch it home by yourselves or if you would like to gather together with a group of people in a small group and watch with them. God bless you. We love you guys.